come to the words come and see. To say we're going to explore them, they occur four times in John's Gospel. They also occur once in Matthew's Gospel. This is at the, the tomb when an angel says to the women outside, come and see. And they came into the tomb and saw that it was empty. Jesus was no longer there. We're going to follow come and see and ask God by his spirit to take these words and, and bring them to life. It might be that there's one of us this morning for whom this is something that stirs us to respond to the good news. It might be that it stirs us in our lives to, to invite others in whichever way it is to come and see Jesus. And you'll see that the last come and see is a very special one. It might be that it gives us the boldness in prayer to say to Jesus in our grief, Jesus, come and see. Will you come, will you come to me? Because, will you come and see here? Because I need you here. Let's follow this through. There may be some surprises. So come and see John 1. 39. This is an invitation from Jesus, the Lamb of God. The question is, where are you staying? Now, just so you understand why the disciples are, well, the would-be disciples are asking, it's not about trying, I think, to find out whether Jesus is rich or poor, what his postcode is. It is that if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to know where, where he's staying. It's a very practical thing. And so when they say, where are you staying? The reply of Jesus is not to give him a GP, the GPS reference or to say, let's WhatsApp you. It was to say, follow me. Come and you will see. So the first response of Jesus is, come and you will see. And what's going to happen? They know this. This call to following, it's not something in British culture that I, I think there's anything quite like it. But in different traditions of the world, certainly in Indus civilization, in India, the, the notion of a devotee coming to a guru and saying, where are you staying? And the guru is saying, come and follow me. That's something that means that from that moment, the devotee, the follower, will be with the guru, with the, the rabbi, with the teacher, um, every step of the way. I'm trying to think what an equivalent would be of that for us. So they're going to be with Jesus 24 hours a day. They're going to stay with him. They're going to witness what he did. They're going to listen to his teaching. And they're going to get to know the way he lives. The, the whole of the scriptures, I think one of the ways of seeing them, is they're trying to teach us God's way of living. How would you have us live? Not in another world, but in real life. How would you have us live in Basildon? How would you have us live if we're going to study in St. Mary's Medical College? How would you have us live when we're retired? How would you have us live? And if we follow Jesus what we find is he's helping us to see what he did in any number of situations. That's what the Gospels are, including the Gospel of John. Jesus 
probably could have given them an address in Galilee, possibly Capernaum. Anyway, he was about to leave the River Jordan, where he'd been baptized by John. He could have given directions and said, look, see you there. But he actually said, come and see. No, um, you, you were mentioning dear Ben Martin Lloyd-Jones when we were praying, and you, some of you know that Martin Lloyd-Jones is my Sunday school teacher. Um, it wasn't called Sunday school, it was called Westminster Chapel, but that's where I went. Um, and very beautiful thing that he was willing to say to my grandfather and, and family, come and see. Um, and in many ways, uh, we became part of his family, and he part of the Milgrove family, it's part of the story. Come and see. Just look, I, I'm there for you. So when my grandfather was dying, Martin Lloyd-Jones would come and sit with him, and I now realize that there were recordings that someone took of the time they spent together. It's enjoying each other's company. Now, our journeys, I don't know where you are. Jesus, you know, has said to you, come and see. This is what the gospel is. Come, I want to follow you. Well, he says, come and see. Our journeys are of faith are different. But Jesus, it starts with Jesus inviting us. Come and see. That's where the story starts. I don't know. Um, I'm an inveterate listener to stories and testimonies. It always warms my heart when a testimony begins with the word Jesus. Not I. Jesus. Jesus said to me, come and see. Jesus is king and I will adore him. What does it mean today, I wonder, to come and see where Jesus is staying? I believe it means that we're to open the scriptures. That's what, Ben, you seek to do so faithfully here. You do. And not simply to, to find what we expect, but to find new, new understandings of what Jesus is wanting to share with us and to show us. A good principle is to, in our reading of the scriptures, to have a gospel that, all through the year, to go through the gospel, so we're always reading about Jesus, what he's doing. Um, I don't know whether you, whether you have reminders of what other people are doing or how you do it on WhatsApp and so on. You can see what they're doing. But the gospels are there because there are witnesses of what Jesus did. And you can see in them what God is revealing of Jesus. Another thing it means to come and see is to join with followers of Jesus in worship. That's what we're doing this morning. Do you say that sometimes, Ben, to people? Come and see. Just come and join with us. Do you say that? Do others say that? We hope so. Well, yeah, because um, if someone came this morning, my friends, if someone had come here from outside in Basildon um, and witnessed what was going on, can you begin to see there are some quite special things happening? You've got young people who are following Jesus and they're going on to further studies. You've got young people who are finding out more about Jesus in Sunday school. It's a place where we come from different backgrounds and different cultures. I can mention Arsenal and smile. Does anyone support Arsenal, by the way? 
What sort of, I mean, no, obviously people don't want to admit it now, but if you want to admit your secrets, no, but look, to discover, look, these are real human beings. If you prick them, they bleed. And you've been sharing in different ways. And now you discover there's this place called Mill Grove, which is there for those in need. And this place is, is supporting. This place has given Christmas presents and harvest gifts. It's a place that isn't selfish. It's not just about people going on an individual trip. And if you come here, you listen to the testimonies of others. There was that beautiful prayer prayed by our sister for those who are part of the fellowship going on to further studies. Um, and one of the things, so testimonies are so, so special. I realize increasingly in my life that it's the testimonies of others, of Jesus, that, that have been so, so decisive for me. And then you get this, if you come and see, then one of the things we do is to get indications of how we're trying to help people in the Gambia, in Ukraine, how this place is seeking to live like Jesus. This bit about others and outsiders. I don't know, the world has always been somehow tribal and um, sort of in, inside and outside. And one of the things about the gospel that Jesus is showing us is that's not how it is. So a very simple thing about the Hebrews. They were told always to remember the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. Why? Because you were slaves. That's who you are. Not they are different, so give them charity. It's treat them as one of your own. That's exactly what Moses said. Treat them as one of your own because they are one of your own. This is who we are. My story is that I was lost, but Jesus found me. Found the sheep that went astray. I'm not thinking of, oh, poor lost sheep. I'm thinking of God's grace to me. And today this invitation comes afresh to each of us. I just want to say to you, if you haven't ever done it, then the message this morning is Jesus says to you, the Lamb of God says, come and see. And if you want to know how to respond, well, open that hymn just as I am. I'm not waiting, I'm not pleading anything except your blood was shed for me. I come in that way. This last week, I had the privilege of going with um, someone who spent quite a bit of time inside at Her Majesty's pleasure because of um, times when he'd um, offended against the law. And uh, after a lot of planning and so on, I took him to see fellowship afloat this is a christian initiative 50 years old on the salt marshes of tolsbury and the person david hillier who'd been who'd established this remarkable christian outdoor center this mission shared the story and i i watched the person i'd brought very just gently and carefully through the day and he said this is a miracle I want to help here if I can. That's what he said. Come and see. Went up the light ship. Because it's a light ship. Used to be the Trinity light vessel. Heard how there were things that, humanly speaking, weren't possible, but God had made them possible. Come and see. When we come to Jesus, when we come to his fellowship, we discover things that are beyond 
human understanding. And John makes it clear that the result of every invitation is that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believing have life in his name. That's why he wrote the Gospel. The second come and see is John 1.46. We read this as well. This is what Philip said. So now we've got, so we started with the words of Jesus, come and see. Now here's a follower of Jesus, Philip. So um, Nathaniel, who knows his scriptures well, he knows there are special places. There is Gilgal and there is Bethsaida. And um, he, knows, he knows Jerusalem and Zion and so on. And then he hears of Jesus of Nazareth. So can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's like expecting to find a Premier League team in Tilbury. I was trying to find something that engages with us. You know, you might say, well, that's, you know, there will be. Well, you've got faith. You've got faith anyway. But trying to say that Nazareth is in a different league. As far as the Bible is, the Bible is concerned, the scriptures, Nazareth is not to be counted. Can any good thing, what can come out of Nazareth? Now, Philip could have responded in lots of ways. I wonder when you, if you have shared with Jesus about in, in your work at school, I wonder with your friends, I don't know, when you talk about Jesus, if you talk about Jesus, and someone says, can any good thing, I, you know, in other words, what, what's good about Jesus? Can you say anything good about him? Philip could have responded in lots of different ways. He could have argued. I remember doing that often at university. I'm not sure it got us anywhere. But to give a reason for the hope within him. He could have given his own opinion or testimony. He could have said, well, look, I just want... You know, he didn't. He could have referred Nathaniel to a more experienced Christian. He could have sent him to Bible college. He could have told him to read the scriptures more carefully. But he did what Jesus did. And he said to Nathaniel, simply, come and see. I don't know whether that stirs your heart. What a beautiful answer. Can anything good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, let's just cut, cut to the chase. Come and see. See for yourself. I'm not going to say anything. You see Nathaniel. And you understand what happened. Because when Nathaniel meets Jesus, no one else is now in, in the picture, in the frame. Jesus talks to him and says, here is a true Israelite. So Nathaniel has been doubting the credentials of Jesus, and now Jesus says, you're a true Israelite. What? How do you know me? Nathaniel says, so I saw you. I already knew you. My friends, that's a very beautiful thing. If we ask people to come to Jesus, please don't think we've got to do introductions. Jesus already knows them. Isn't that true? Jesus already loves them. Was his life not given for them? And my friends, not just for people in general, but by name. When we take people to Jesus, we can leave him to do the rest. This is the essence of Christian mission and evangelism. Whatever else it involves, whatever else is involved at Mill Grove, and there's a lot, it's essentially inviting people to come and see Jesus. It's my testimony, and I've got to the stage, young Ben, if I can call you that, you might not feel young, but you are compared to me, 
when, as Martin Lloyd-Jones did later in his life, he, he shared some of his testimony with me, I feel it's timely to share things. I don't know how many opportunities there will be for sharing this. But as people have come to Millgrove and looked around, again and again, it's a pattern that is so clear that I cannot deny it. They stopped me at a certain point, and the most recent one was an architect. And he said, Keith, can we stop here? It was in the reception room by our best piano. And he simply said, I want to say to you that Jesus is in this place. That's what he said. My friends, I've heard that in, in just about every place in Milgrove. Jesus is here. And it's very, very difficult to understand what exactly it means. But I pass on that testimony. Come and see. Jesus is here. A little later in John's Gospel, we're not going to dwell on this now, in John chapter 4, you may remember, Jesus is talking to a woman by the well in Samaria. And it's an extraordinary conversation about her life and what she thinks about worshipping God and so on. And when Jesus' disciples return, they've been shopping, going for food in Samaria, they come back. She leaves and goes into the village. And do you remember her words? Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see. And their testimony is this. They say, we were impressed by what she told us of Jesus, but we believe because now we've seen him for ourselves. Now we've seen him for ourselves. The woman's testimony meant they came to Jesus, but it was actually their own experience of Jesus that made all the difference. My friends, eventually, the thing this morning that counts is what do I know of Jesus, not what do I know the scriptures have taught me which is wonderful and other people have testified the thing is what do I know of Jesus and as I've come to know him I just want to say that I've come to love him and, and realize that I'm overwhelmed that he should call me his friend and brother I'm overwhelmed that's the truth we come to the final time in John's Gospel where the words come and see are used. There's a surprise here. So John chapter 11, you know the story well, but you might not have thought of how it continues this extraordinary exposition of come and see. So John 11 and 34. Um, basically what's happened is, would you believe it, Jesus has been by the River Jordan, which is where we were in John 1, and the message comes to him from Bethany near Jerusalem that Lazarus has died. And for some reason that John doesn't explain and Jesus doesn't explain, Jesus doesn't come immediately. Um, and he stays for two more days in the area of the River Jordan. And then says, now we'll go back to Judea, Bethany and Jerusalem. Um, during that time, Lazarus has died, and um, Mary and Martha come to Jesus as he's arriving. And this is where we take up the story. 
um, verse 32, where Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus, verse 33, saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And we read, Jesus wept. So this time, the words come and see are not in the mouth of Jesus, the Lamb of God. They're not in the, the mouths of followers of Jesus who are bringing people to Jesus, come and see him. They're in the mouths of friends and followers of Jesus who are grieving and Jesus is grieving Lazarus has died now the followers lead Jesus to the place where Lazarus has been buried they lead Jesus and this is why I'm beginning to explore just simply this theme have you thought of this aspect of come and see? Lord, come and see, come here. This is where there's been a tragedy. Come here. This is where we are. Come, come, please come here. All through the Gospels, that's what happens. Jairus and his daughter, come, come, my daughter. The, the Canaanite woman, come, my daughter. You hear it again and again. People saying to Jesus, please, please come here. And I think, my friends, that's one of our tasks as Christians. To pray that Jesus will come to a place of grieving and a place of pain. There will be, you will know these people, you know these places this morning. Where you don't know what to do. And a very, very beautiful thing in John's Gospel is this, that when Jesus comes, he comes as a human being. And what an extraordinary thing. They were grieving. Martha, Mary, and so on. Lazarus. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And that's a beautiful thing. When Jesus comes, when we invite Jesus to come, when we're at a bedside in Basildon Hospital, I think of when I was there not so long ago with someone, um, when we're praying, we know that Jesus comes with empathy. He comes not to judge. He comes out of love and mercy to heal. It may not be physical healing. In the case of Lazarus, it was. But it may it salvation, cleansing, forgiveness. In this case, he brings Lazarus back to life. What's the reason? The reason John makes very, very clear. This is what Jesus said. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? They took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you, you've heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. I've said this that they may believe. It just happens that the last words of my grandfather 
in the presence of Martin Lloyd-Jones were, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So we're, we're dealing here with something that's very, very deep. Our relationship with Jesus, my friends, is reciprocal. He says to us, come and see. And when he says, come, surely we must come as followers. We must obey. But also, he allows us to say to him, come. I, I don't know how with children, I'm sure it's true of children with you, but um, little Ollie, who was in one of these photos, the one who wanted me to get in the car, do you remember that photograph? And I couldn't. I mean, still, I, I think I lost all street cred because I couldn't get him in that car. Um, but one, one Sunday in North Wales, I was on grandparent duty during the, the sermon at church, and little Ollie took me through the seaside resort of Cricketh, simply holding my hand and pulling me to the next exciting thing. I found things in Cricketh I would never know. Um, and it was a joy as a grandfather to, to be led by him. Now, I don't mean I was led by him everywhere. There was a limit to the number of blackberries he ate, just a limit, but there we are. But I always think of that as something where that, that's... Ollie stands for me and Jesus. I want to say to Jesus, please, Jesus, in my prayers, can you come here at Millgrove? So often we're asking, Lord, please, there's someone we know. Please help. Come, come, please come to those who need forgiveness and healing and love. So, my friends, come and see. It may be you'd noticed those words before. It may be you didn't. They run through John's Gospel like Brighton through rock. There isn't a rock called Basildon Rock, is there? Is there? Have I missed it? I don't know. I, I, if I have done, just if I missed it, show me. But I want to say this to you, pleading from the heart. This isn't just a repetition of words come and see. This isn't just a sculpted sermon. They take us to the heart of the relationship between followers and Jesus, the heart of the gospel. And I close with this. Right at the end of John's Gospel, Jesus didn't actually use the words come and see, but it was very close. Thomas had missed the resurrection appearance of Jesus. And he said, unless I see the name, I'm not going to accept any testimony from anyone else, least of all from you, Peter, James, and John, and the rest. Unless I put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. A week later, Jesus said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, let me put it like this, come, put your finger here, see my hands, come and see. Reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in John's Gospel, my book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And this is my simple testimony of John's Gospel. Here it is. For whatever reason, when I had finished my first degree and was doing a research degree in Edinburgh, Although I'd read many, many books, one of you was reminding me of Mark Twain this morning, many, many books, 
I'd never read John's Gospel as a book. By that I mean, you start at the beginning and you read it to the end. And so in Edinburgh, one morning, my wife had gone to work at the hospital where she was working, and at the breakfast table I started reading John's Gospel as a book. When I got to this point, that I've just, you know, Thomas, my Lord and my God, I found I wasn't actually sitting at the breakfast table, I was kneeling. I can't tell you at what stage I started kneeling, but my eyes were filled with tears. And there were two things that became crystal clear to me. One was that it was as though John was saying, he was beside me and saying, Dear Keith, dear reader, when I wrote this witness, I imagined people would do what you're doing. But they don't. They learn verses. They have a favorite verse, John 3.16, or people preach about it. They learn it. They teach it. But they don't read it. And it's so, so special. It seemed to me, John was saying, that, that you've done what I imagined. And what's happened, John was saying to me, is what, what I knew would happen. You're kneeling and you're saying, my Lord and my God, you believe. The other thing I discovered was something that John shows us about Jesus, which is that in some ways, those of us into Bible study and scholarship would say that John's Gospel presents a very high view of Jesus. His Christology is very exalted. Something I discovered from reading the Gospel right through is that Jesus was a man who was sometimes thirsty, sometimes hungry, sometimes weeping. The dust got into his eyes, and when you pricked him, he bled. He was a human. He was the word become flesh. It's a very high view, but his divinity was revealed in his humanity. And that's something that will never be forgotten. Anyone who comes to Jesus will never be in any doubt about the fact that this is the Son of God, the Messiah. But they'll also be in no doubt that he is one of us. He's one who understands and knows. He's not from another class. He didn't go to a different sort of school or whatever else. Jesus is one of us. He's one of us. Come and see for yourself and you'll discover the truth. Our final hymn is an invitation, number 85, Come and See, Come and See.